0: Continuing our series again on the Lord's Prayer. We're to the end of the prayer now. And uh, let's take a look at it. Matthew 6. Jesus uh, was uh, teaching them how to pray. Not necessarily what to pray. Although we do pray it together every Sunday. The Lord's Prayer is a wonderful prayer to pray. But it's not so much about repeating the exact same words. It's about a way to pray. This is how you approach God. These are the key elements of when you come to God and pray. And we've been talking about these in detail throughout this series. And uh, he says, So this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And now verse 13. And lead us not into temptation... But deliver us from the evil one. We read in Luke the 22nd chapter, starting at verse 39. This was the night that uh, Jesus was betrayed. And uh, it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. This is after they had already had the uh, Lord's Supper. And and, uh, his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation... He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. And he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The Bible says an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And uh, even though he strengthened him, Jesus was still in great anguish and he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood uh, falling to the ground. And then, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them sleeping. Uh, they were exhausted uh, from sorrow. It's kind of an interesting phrase. They, they were they were kind of sad. You know, Jesus was talking about being betrayed and and all this stuff. And uh, uh, you know, Judas had taken off from the table, and Jesus said he's going to betray him. And you know, they're just kind of bummed. Now, there's one thing about sorrow is that it can make you tired. I don't know if you've ever felt even slightly depressed. It's one of the first signs of depression is you want to sleep all the time. <laughs> because it just sucks the life out of you. It just sucks the energy out of you. And, and uh, it's interesting, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, joy brings strength. Sorrow sucks your, your strength away, sucks your energy away. and they were, they were exhausted from sorrow. The Bible says, and Jesus said to them, why are you guys sleeping? Wake up! get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation now clearly Jesus knew what was coming he told his disciples what was coming he told them at the Lord's Supper he'd been telling them for a while just these guys were they never quite got it um, you know I don't know how much clearer you can be <laughs> than I'm going to Jerusalem they're going to turn me over they're going to crucify me and on the third day I'll raise from the dead sounds pretty clear to me but they're like I don't know what he's talking about I don't quite get it you know they weren't exactly the swiftest guys on the earth. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he clearly knew what was coming. And he knew the hour was late. And, and it was upon him. And that's why he went out into the, to the garden there to pray. Asked the guys to pray that they don't fall into temptation. Because they knew temptation was coming. Darkness was coming. Evil is coming. Stay on your toes. Pray that you don't fall into this. Temptation is an icky place to be. Now while we all experience temptation... Jesus clearly indicates uh, through the Gospels that you can pray that God will help you to avoid temptation. Um, You can pray and trust God. God, keep me from temptation. Keep me from those things that would cause me to slip and to fall away. And uh, so that's why he was praying so intensely and and sweating like crazy and just praying that, you know, just getting the strength for what he was about to go through. And of course, goofy boys are over there sleeping not paying attention goes over and wakes him up again and says come on guys pray that you don't fall into temptation and then of course in the Lord's prayer he tells us to pray that you don't fall and lead us not into temptation not that God is inclined to lead you towards temptation but the, the idea is to lead us away from temptation That's what, this is our prayer it should be part of your daily prayer God, keep me from temptation. Keep me from that area of, of ickiness where, where the world's pulling on me so hard and distracting me. Keep me away from those situations, I pray. And uh, Because temptation will always come. You have to understand, just like there is a God in heaven, there is a devil. And he hates you. He hates you for a host of reasons. One of the most basic reasons, you just remind him of God. The Bible says that we're made in the image of God. You know, as far as the devil looks, he looks at us and just sees a bunch of little godlike creatures walking around. Just irritates the snot out of him, because he hates God and he hates us, and we just despise us, men and women, just greatly. That's why he inspires people to be so cruel to each other and do such self-destructive things. Where does this come from? It comes from a force that is bent on destroying mankind. And uh, if you don't pray, uh, even though we all go through varying degrees of it, if you get callous and, and, and careless in your spiritual life, you will find yourself falling deeper and deeper into temptation's uh, spots that will cause you more than likely to sin. And that's why the Bible says, pray that you don't even get there. Now, so the, the point of avoiding temptation is because it's the first step to sin. Now, we read in James' epistle, he says, when tempted, nobody should say, well, God is tempting me. God doesn't tempt people. God, he will test people. That he'll do. He will test you. Throughout the Bible, you see where God tested people's faith. But that's faith. But that's different than tempting, using sin and lust and anger and all kinds of these icky things to, to tempt people. God does not do that. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he attempt to tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire... He is dragged away and enticed. You say, now, what's he talking about? Because he's writing to believers. I thought we didn't have evil in us anymore. Jesus comes in us and and evil goes. Well, it's very true. In in our spirit, Jesus Christ comes in. We're born again of the the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers us. Um, The presence of God lives inside of us. Evil is not present anymore in in our hearts and our spirits. uh, Like it was before we accepted Christ. But you need to understand something like God in that we are made in God's image. Uh, Not only do I believe we physically kind of resemble what God looks like. Um, uh, uh, We're made up like God, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You have a body, soul, spirit. We're one person, but you've got those different parts of you. Your your spirit has been born again. That's the part where where Christ comes and lives by his spirit. Uh, Your soul is, is your emotions, your mind, intellect. That we need to change. We need to renew our souls. But our body, that's pretty much what you see before for you tonight. And, uh, that doesn't change. I mean, your countenance changes. I'm a lot happier after I got saved than before. I tell people I used to be quite a miserable sinner. I (laughs) I really was. I wasn't very happy uh, before I met Jesus. And and now I smile inordinately. And people say, why are you always smiling? And it it truly is because the love of Christ burns in my heart. And I've never been the same since that 30-some-odd years ago where I asked Christ to come into my life. My my comments have changed, but I'm still physically, you know, the same thing. You know, I didn't wake up and all of a sudden have shorter hair. Or no hair, as the case is today. But, uh... In fact, at the time I had hair going every which direction. You know, I was a hippie. Uh, now, you know, but, but our bodies have been poisoned by sin. This is true. It is it is something you will struggle with till the day you die. In fact, the the closer that Paul got to the time when he knew he was dying, he actually was looking forward to it. He wrote in the Bible, he's like, in a way, I can't wait to get away from this. This thing that just keeps dragging you down, the thing that keeps filling you with temptation and anger and all the, the evil wah, wah, icky stuff that we as Christians got to keep constantly stomping down inside of us. Um, it's it's that physical. It's it's the part that has been hopelessly poisoned by sin. It is a part of us that is going to die and turn to dust. It is hopeless, okay? Uh, until God resurrects us with a new body on, on on resurrection day. It is that part of us that. Still holds these evil desires, and uh, if you're not aware of that, you'll be caught by surprise because it will come back, even though you might pray and seek God and worship God and do it. You know, don't sleep like the disciples slept. They figured out know, everything's cool. You know, we're good. You know, kind of bummed out because all the stories Jesus is telling it's kind of depressing. You know, but um, you know, they weren't paying attention. They weren't aware. If you become careless and you're not praying and trusting God God keep me from snares and temptation stuff, you will fall into things because there is stuff inside of you that's just icky. It's your fleshly nature. The Bible tells us to be spiritually minded so that the spirit lives stronger than the flesh. And if you're not careful, you'll kind of doze off spiritually and your fleshly will just raise itself up. And it'll shock you. It'll freak you out. The reality is any of us are capable of some of the most horrid acts known to man at any given time. That's that fleshly nature. If you yield to the flesh, it leads to death, the Bible says. So it says that when that evil desire rises up, it it drags you away, you're enticed. And then after desire has conceived, this temptation creates this desire that conceives, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Something you also need to be aware of. That... um, When someone conceives, when a woman conceives, you don't know it right away. It's not apparent to anybody. It's not even apparent to her. It may take some time before it becomes apparent to her, and then even longer before it becomes apparent to anyone else. But make no mistake, the conception happened way back here. And that's what happens in sin. That's what happens when you play with temptation and you and you and you think. And temptation all happens in the mind when you entertain thoughts that are not healthy or good. And the reality to you is, is we often rehearse. Well, everybody, not often. We all do it. The only way you can get to sin is you rehearse it first in your head. It's just the reality of it. You know, sometimes you'll be thinking thoughts like, "Boy." You know, if somebody ever did that to me, I'd punch him right in the face. You know, you think thoughts like that. You know, might even say it. <laughs> I'd never put up with it. You know, and we've rehearsed these things. And then all of a sudden, when you were, we're not expecting, all of a sudden, we just, you know, this nasty thing rises up in us. And, and, and we, we, we're we surprised. Oh, where did that come from? Where did that come from? You put it there. That's where it came from. Let's see. You put it there. You thought about these things. You entertain these things. Nobody just does this. You know, here are, here are people who fall into sexual sin or adultery or something like that. And they'll say, well, I don't know. We were just walking along one day. i it just happened. We didn't mean for to happen. It just happened. We don't know how it happened. I'll tell you how it happened way back here. You put that in your head. You let that happen. And then it conceives in you. And it grows inside of you. And then it gives birth to sin. And sin, James says, when it's finished, will bring death. And uh, so many times Christians, when they fall into sin or, or various things that, that cause them to stumble and fall, they're often shocked. How did that happen? How could that possibly... I, I don't know what I was doing so well. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I blew up or I did this horrible thing. You did that here a while back. That's why the Bible encourages us... To be careful about what we think. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, if anything is just good, praiseworthy, excellent, all these good things, think about such things. These are the kind of things you need to think about. And and this is what's particularly great about reading your Bibles. Getting spiritual thoughts in you. Because that then affects you later. Because these things, in a positive sense, gives birth to you. Inside of you. You know, this is how you grow spiritually speaking. If you don't spend any time putting the right thoughts in here, it'll be virtually impossible for you to be a very successful Christian at all. Successful Christianity happens on purpose. People say to me, how have you been such a successful Christian? How have you actually lasted, you know, people ask me and Debbie, how you been, la- how did you last for almost 34 years without killing each other, you know? How did, how, you know, how did you have a good family? How did, you, how did your kids make, on purpose, that's how. On purpose, you know, people ask you like, wow, it's amazing that, happened. that must surprise you. Not <laughs> not surprise us, we worked at it. We worked at raising healthy children. We work to having a good marriage. We work at having spiritual and successful lives. It doesn't just happen. And you know, in this country, we want things just to happen. You know, People want you to come and sprinkle you with something and send you out the door and it's all automatic. Well, no, it's not automatic. You've got to work at it. You've got to put the right thoughts into your mind so that you can succeed. So Jesus tells us to pray. Father, keep us from temptation. Keep us from these things. And deliver us... From the evil one. Who's the evil one? The devil. Okay. Now in First Peter. Uh, we read this. He says be self controlled and alert. Why? Because your enemy the devil. Prowls around like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to d- devour. Now do not kid yourselves. There's a real devil. And he's out to do anything he can. To destroy people. Particular people who claim a position of faith in Christ. Regular people irritate him. You can imagine what we do. All right. Now I've often heard people say, "The Bible says devils like a roaring lion, but he's just a toothless lion." Hell, praise God out. No, 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 no. Not toothless. Big sharp teeth. This boy is for real, and he is out to hurt you and to destroy your life. Mainly when you're asleep and you're not paying attention. Um, the Bible says, be careful when you think you stand, lest you fall. About the time that you mess up, about the time that you stumble, when you think, I'd never do that. That could never happen to me. When you start getting to a place of arrogance in your spiritual life, that's when you become the most vulnerable and the you know the devil just smells it. You know, he smells the meat, you know. As soon as you get real kind of cocky and you're doing okay. <laughs> There you are. You know, here he comes. Here he comes, looking just for you because now you're an easy prey. If you ever watched these uh, documentaries of, you know, lions in Africa or something like that? They don't go for the strong ones. They're not checking those cats out. They're looking for the weak little thing that's kind of off by itself, not paying attention. And the devil's the same way. So he's like a roaring lion. And, and to pray, God, keep us. From temptation and deliver us from the evil one who would harm us. He is out to harm us and uh, when we get casual and, and careless, that's when we get into trouble. Now, the good news is, God has an answer for us. In 1 Corinthians, when we are being tempted, he says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And people have a hard time understanding that. A lot of times, somebody will be going through a real struggle, and you look at them and say, You know, well, you know, I, I know what that struggle is. I've, go, I've gone through that myself. And they always look at me, Really, you have? Actually, it's kind of funny. A lot of times, couples come in and to describe to me, you know, their struggles in marriage. And uh, when they get done, I look at them and go, You just described my wife and me. <laughs> you know, and really? Really? Yeah, we deal with the same stuff. And it's kind of like a, a weight lifted off the shoulder when they realize they're not insane and crazy and that everybody deals with the same stupid stuff. We all go crazy and irritate each other. all right? But there's nothing you've gone through that everybody at some point or ever deals with some level of that and certainly nothing that's taken you that hasn't hit somebody else. There is nothing on un- you. The devil always goes to the same playbook. It's always the same things. You know, those four or five majors, you know, that the same things people keep falling into Time after time after time after time. There's nothing that sees you except what is common to man. Here's the good news God is faithful. He will not allow you, will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, when you're going through really intense temptation, be it to be really mean to someone, or, you know, I don't know what your temptation might be. It might be to take something you shouldn't take, or, you know, envy or something. You know, as strong as those temptations get, uh, what fills your head at the time is you have to give in. You have to yield. This is so intense. You know, I, I, you know it just got so strong. I just, I just had to give in. No, 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 no. You never have to give in. That's the good news. God will never allow it. He will never. Now, people without Christ, I don't think they have much of a say. That's why Jesus said people outside of faith, you know, they think God is their father. God's not their father. Spiritually speaking, the devil's their father. And he is what he tells you to do, you just do. They don't have any choice. They're slaves. You guys remember what that's like? You know, you you hate people. You're doing things you don't want to do and you're driven by your angers and your lusts and your passions and your selfishness. And then you come to Jesus and He sets you free from that stuff. You now have a choice. Not to say we don't mess up. Not to say that we don't go through intense temptations where we think it's like before but it's never like before. You never have to give in. You never have to do that. Because He will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out So that you can stand up under it. God has all kinds of ways that when you're going through a difficult time, an attempting time, to show you the way out. So when you're really going through a hard time and you feel like God is abandoned and you're all by yourself and you're going through all this horrible thing, start looking for the exit. That's the good news. God has an exit for you somewhere. And that means you've got to lift up your eyes and have a little bit of faith in the midst of your most dark moment. And, and start looking for the exit. Some way, somehow, God has always promised He will never leave you there. Number one, He'll never let you go through more than you can handle. And secondly, He'll always have a way out. If if, if you feel like you're trapped in something, you just haven't found the exit. God has an exit for you. You say, well, what is it? I don't know. But he, everybody, he's got an exit for everybody. If you're not sure, come and we'll pray with you and discover the exit together, best we can. But God always has a way out. That's the promise. See, you're never abandoned. You have to understand this whole thing about Christianity. It's not just God throwing you out there; you're know, on your own. You just go out there and live a Christian and don't don't mess up anymore. We think that way sometimes. You know, God comes to us and and we ask God into our lives and He forgives us of our sins and then He whips us back out there and now we got to be perfect and not mess up anymore. Yeah. You know, well, no. It's not. You're not out there by yourself. He is always with you. You say, what about those times when I feel really, really, really alone? Especially then, the times that you feel that God is a million miles. You, we've all felt that way, right? You pray and you feel like you're talking to a brick wall. You know, I pray and I feel my prayers go, you know, just laying all over the floor. Emotionally, that's how I feel intellectually that's how I feel spiritually everything about it I just feel this is going nowhere but you have to understand God will never he says I promise you I will never leave you I will never forsake you Paul said I'm convinced neither height nor depth nor angels or principalities nothing nothing there is nothing in creation that can ever separate me from God that's this God who so loves you so much so to have some faith and to realize okay Lord help me find the way out of this better not to get in it deep in the first place that's what Jesus tells us to pray pray that you don't fall into temptation but we all get there because a lot of times we're not paying attention and you know, we slip into places we shouldn't be but there's always an escape now this last Sunday when I was preaching I, I talked to you about one of the escapes uh, that God gives us for temptations and it's it's found in, in the epistle of James the fifth chapter and it says here where he says uh, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed to confess your sins to each other I was talking Sunday about being a family a family of faith and how that when you confess your sins to each other um, one of the reasons is one of the doors to get you out of the mess that you're in when you confess your faults, the temptations, the stuff you're going through. And here it just says flat out sins, things you are doing. Just confess it to each other. Feel safe enough. See, Christians were afraid to confess our sins. We're afraid to confess our faults. We're, we're so dreadfully afraid that if people really know who I am, they won't have anything to do with me. Or they'll, they'll think badly of me. And, and we get all these other side things. You know, I've always determined in my heart, I, I don't care. I would rather be real. You know, if I'm a jerk, I finally snap. You know, sometimes I'm just a jerk, and I got to confess that. And, and uh, or if I'm just angry, I got to, you know, I'm just I'm just being mean. You know, or whatever the different things that I'm going through. Now, when you confess your weaknesses, your faults, your sins, your temptations, it, it helps break those things in your life. This is one of the doors out, and it is a powerful door. Sadly, it's one that so many people refuse to take. And as I mentioned on Sunday, some of the greatest leaders over the last 20, 30 years in evangelical Christianity, everything from Jimmy Swagger to who's the last Ted Haggard, you know, all these bizarre things. You think, dear God in heaven, how do you get to these places? These guys, and then they finally confess, I've struggled with it for years, for decades. But they never told anybody, see. The Bible clearly says, confess. But they didn't do it. They would try, and, and, and you can read their stories. Everybody from Swagger to Haggard, you know, they'll say, well, I, I, I tried to, to pray more. I, I tried to fast more. I, I tried to give more. I tried all these disciplines. But you know what? You cannot ignore one part of the Bible and think you can make it up with extras. This is the one, If there's one thing we're missing in the contemporary church of Jesus Christ today in America, for sure, is we don't do this. We don't, And when you don't do it, sin gets a stranglehold on you. Temptation gets a stranglehold on you. Failure gets a stranglehold on you. And then you've got to pretend. Churches are filled with people who are just pretending to be happy. Pretending to be holy. Pretending to have a good marriage. Pretending to be something that they're not. It's an icky, icky place to be. Don't be like that. I would rather you be real and fault ridden. Than to be plastic and phony I just I just don't care about that We need to be, be a family where we can be like that But you have to understand When you turn the light on To sin and temptation in your life It breaks the hold That's the key That's what I'm trying to get across to you If you will just be honest enough to share these things Because it just breaks it in you um, Now if you were to get A hundred women together And ask them What their greatest temptation would be You might get Dozens of different answers. You know, fear, anger, jealousy, uh, impatience, blah, 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 just the whole list going out. You get a hundred men together, and 99 of them will tell you their greatest temptation is sex. And, and one of them's lying. <laughs> it's true. It's true. In fact, if you women knew how much this bugged us, you'd be more disgusted with us than you are right now. I mean, we, really, we really don't get even with you I'm telling you, this is every man's greatest struggle. And how it can be virtually... Every, and as all these guys, this is what always brings them down. How it can be every man's greatest struggle, but yet none of us can ever admit it, is ridiculous and absurd. We have to be men, that we have close enough relationships with guys, that we can, try that we can just be honest about our temptations, honest about our struggles. The one thing that is choking the life out of so many millions of... American Christians say, men is this this scourge of pornography that has addicted and and, and chained these men survey after survey shows 50% of the men in churches look at pornography and have an addiction to pornography that's every other guy, every other guy, every other guy but yet, whoever talks about it whoever admits it and that's why they can't escape it because they won't admit it devil sits and laughs you want to live a holy life? I'm telling you, as a man, you've almost got to have some of the guys you can trust in to just be open and honest with. Or you're just going to live in your little secret mind and the devil will laugh his butt off and just keep you in chains. Push you down roads you don't want to be. You say, well, gee, I don't know if I can admit that to anybody. Sure you can. Because the guy you're admitting to deals with the same Nonsense same struggles the same temptations we need to be honest and open so we can set free from this you know some years ago when I had a video production company back in the early 80's mid 80's I don't know some 80's but uh, um, I was doing a video for a company uh, an organization that was against pornography in America and I remember that when we were doing the research on this, we went in there and we were with this lady, she looked like she was my mom, you know, and she's talking, yeah, this pornography is a terrible thing today you know, and and she pulls out and just boatloads of the filthiest pictures I had ever seen in my life unbelievable, it's kind of creepy, some little old lady showing you this stuff, right? So, we're all looking at it and we're all sitting there discussing it and, and, and I remember thinking this is really odd that it it's not really affecting me at all and guys you know what I'm talking about that, that, that lust thing has got to, just, just sinks into your brain but none of that I was looking at some of the almost unbelievable pictures and it not, not phasing and then at some point I, I had no longer been thinking that for a few minutes when she said you know what they always tell us never look at this stuff alone because <laughs> if you look at it alone it'll trap itself inside of you always look at it with other people and it has no power it has no effect. I've never forgotten I thought that was absolute. Because that was, that was the case. See, the key, the key for sin and temptation and lust, particularly you guys that, that, that are ens- enslaved by the sin that is ruining your life. And I could preach for an hour just on that. The reason is because you're secret. You don't tell anybody. And then you pretend everything's okay. You want to get free from temptation? And I don't care what, if it's not, if it's sexual or whatever the deal is that you're thing might be struggling with. You know, we've got to be a family where we can be open and honest enough to confess our sins to each other. Why? So that it's one of the doors out. It's the exit. So It's the one exit a lot of us don't want to look at. We're looking for another exit. God, will take any other exit. Just not this one. I don't want to tell anybody. You know, I don't want to tell anybody. No one needs to know that, 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 that I struggle with this stuff. And that's why you stay trapped. It is one of the biggest exits God has for everybody. It's just to admit to somebody, you know, I fail in this area, I struggle in this area. You will be amazed at how that thing will start to break and loose itself in your life if you'll just be honest, if you'll just be open. And it might be fear, it might be, I don't care, whatever it is. But you get free by being open and honest and, and who cares what other people are think about me that's, that's the importance of being a real family not just people who sit together an hour or two a week but a real family where we can really really share that with each other uh, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer tonight as important as it is to confess our faults to one another our struggles with one another it all begins when you confess your struggles and sins to Jesus You say, well, how come that's not enough Um, once we become a Christian? It's certainly the way you start. I mean, you're just telling me that you don't know Jesus. It won't help you. You've you've got to apologize to him. And when you do sin as a Christian, you need to apologize to him as well. But it's this openness that really starts to, to free you and stuff. But the beginning start is when you open your heart and ask Christ into your life. And tonight, I'd like to pray a prayer with all of us together. If you're here tonight and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life... I want to give you an opportunity to take that very first step of faith so that you can begin to pray the Our Father uh, as a child of God. And all these words will really begin to mean something to you as as God directs you and and meets your needs and keeps you from temptation and, 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 uh, and all these things. So let's pray this prayer together. And if you'll mean this from the bottom of your heart, Jesus will come into your heart and give you a new start in your life. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender to you this evening. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You say, is it that easy? Well, it's not easy, but it is that simple. If you pray that prayer tonight, it was the first time you ever prayed a prayer where you asked Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. i got a great little book I'd love to give you. It's called Getting Started in Your New Life with Jesus. written by my brother who's also in ministry. Anyway, at the guest services counter out there, if you'll stop by and say, Hey, I'd like a free copy of that book. We'll be happy to give you a copy of the book. and You can take it and read it. It's got great answers to questions about faith and reading the Bible and all kinds of stuff. So if you haven't got it, make sure you stop by there. Ask for the book. It'll be a blessing and help to you. Pastor Lathan.